and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution and its research benefits people and communities both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am delighted to be joined by Dr Christopher Hand, a lecturer in psychology at the university. Chris, thank you very much for joining me today. No problem, nice to be here. Listeners might notice a small change in the audio in this episode and this is because we're recording it remotely and that's because we're both in lockdown just now. Chris, how are you adjusting to the current climate? It's taken a bit of getting used to and I think it's still going to be a while um, before things settle down. I mean, the, the working from home aspect is is reasonably familiar to me, but at the same time, it's it's obviously very very different from you know from from what we've experienced before. Yeah, you know, I've never worked at home before, and I'm be honest, I'm saying I find it quite difficult to adjust to. How should people be approaching working from home or, or studying from home? I mean, I think that's a really good point. Is that this will be really really new to a lot of people. Not everyone's sort of been in in this position before. I mean, the the things that help people adjust are to, are to try and keep a kind of routine, um, mm-hmm. so that you've got you know the boundaries between home life and work life so there's 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 a lot of things that people can do um so one thing is actually sort of trying to stick to particularly your morning routine um so if you're used to getting up at a certain time if you've got a certain sort of set of habits in the morning you know whether that is to have breakfast or to pack a lunch or whatever it is you know almost try and stick to that as closely as possible it might feel weird um, but it's still a useful thing to do, you know, sort of go through your morning routine, whether that's, you know, washing your hair, cleaning your teeth, whatever it happens to be, getting dressed, you know, all, you know, almost try and get ready as if you were about to go out the door. I mean, it will sound really weird, but I'm still doing things like putting loose change in my wallet and my pockets, even <laughs> though I know I'm never going to leave the house. Um, but again, it's just it's, it's almost like satisfying those kind of ticks that you have in the morning, you know, just ticking off the boxes about, right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get into work mode now. Certainly, that's something that I found quite useful. I think when we first started working from home last week, getting up in the morning, I would just stay in bed, do my work on, on the laptop. But as now we're into the second week, I found it a lot more useful to, to shower first thing iron clothes get changed it really seems to put you in a more positive frame of mind to approach the day ahead yeah i think so and i mean i think you know that's part of being active as well i mean you know a lot of people think being active around the house means sort of sit-ups and push-ups and jumping jacks and stuff it doesn't you know it can mean those little day-to-day activities like getting yourself out of bed taking a set of clothes out the wardrobe getting in the shower um you know that these these little things um can actually just keep a wee bit of normality and in what's a very very unusual situation and for those of us that have got the space um it's, it's difficult if you're in a shared house it's difficult if you've got kids and partners around um if you've got the space try and set up a dedicated kind of workstation you know whether that be at a desk or a, a table um or i don't know anywhere that you can kind of protect to be your workspace you know ideally something that's got a door uh, that you can kind of close off either the rest of the house or the rest of the world again just try and make it as 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 protected space and that's important for helping you being able to work, but it's also helpful for being able to walk away from it as well mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So, you know, turning off either your laptop, putting away uh, your whatever materials you're using, you know, almost like having a clean desk policy and just saying, right, we're done, you know, setting, setting yourself a timeline and just saying, I'm going to work until this point. 
and again, you know, it's, it's almost like being back at school. If you went to school that had a uniform, you know, get changed out of what you've been working in at the end of the day. Um, because again, it's just a way of sort of building in a subtle boundary between what you have been doing when you've been working and getting back to home life. Now, a lot of organisations are using software like Microsoft Teams for remote working. How do we adjust from moving from face-to-face working to using this sort of software? Again, I think this is going to be one of the the big challenges, or you know, it's it has been one of the big challenges over the last couple of weeks, is that these these tools are are alien to a lot of people. I mean, even people that work from home fairly regularly, like myself, you know, this is actually the first time I'm using Zoom right now. But there is a you know, I think the university has done a really good job in providing resources to help upskill people, and I think it's it's very important that people set aside the time um, to realise that they are learning uh, a new set of skills. They're learning to do something completely new and people shouldn't put too much pressure on themselves to become expert and fluent in these things immediately. I think generally people are being quite patient about, you know, the technical glitches and hitches that are sort of going on. But yeah, it's it's going to take a while uh, for, for people to get kind of used to this this sort of pattern, these tools, these terminologies. It's it's a very, very um, unusual situation. You think we'll be working more using these kind of tools in the future? Hard to say. I mean, there could be a complete rebound once this is all over, that people are desperate to go back to as much face-to-face as possible. Or it could be that people really settle into this uh, and find that it's, you know, it's the way that they decide to move forward. I think it, it very much depends on the individual. Um, but I think the, the impact of, of COVID-19 will have... Um, an important bearing on sort of how we work moving forward you know not just in the next few months but for years to come whether that be looking at um, business travelers maybe working more remotely rather than sort of being flown into places or whether it's more in the education sector um, and I think a lot of that will be driven by student feedback because you know particularly at GCU our students seem to really embrace the sort of face-to-face side the learning mm. um, and having sort of interpersonal relationships um, so I guess individuals will be able to shape a certain amount of their own working style but yeah we're, we're going to have to look at what works for the majority of people you've kind of touched on it there chris but social distancing and self-isolation these were terms we'd never used until the last few weeks how important is it for us to stay connected with our friends and family during this period? It's it's huge. Um, one of the really frustrating things about the term sort of social distance and self-isolation is that if, if we're actually trying to get people to change their behaviour, we should use words and terms that they know. So keep apart rather than social distancing, self-isolation, stay at home, you know, <laughs> rather than using novel sort of more sort of scientific terms. If people want to change behaviour, they should really be using, you know, everyday language the social connection thing is huge it's really really important particularly for people that are vulnerable um so i'm thinking you know over 70s people with restricted movement so you know almost going back to having things like regular phone calls um is really really important because not everyone's got access to things like zoom or skype or these kind of sort of social um social networking apps and I think it's really really important to keep in contact as much as possible especially if you you live alone or um, particularly if you're concerned uh, about people uh, in your your family network and your social network because it's, it's going to be a very very challenging time and it's going to be most challenging for people who are already vulnerable. Now we're seeing the rise of apps we've touched on at Zoom cast house party these are helping people stay connected online how big an impact do you think they'll have in the next coming weeks? 
for people that are able to use them, I think that's going to be a really positive thing. I mean, I know a lot of families and, and social networks are using particularly house party to sort of play games together, to socialise together. People are setting up things like virtual pubs, virtual pub quizzes, virtual cafes, virtual coffee shops. And within our own team uh, in psychology, every a few times a week, we're actually having a virtual coffee break in the morning. <laughs> through teams um, and it's actually really really nice um, because again it's it's just bringing in a wee bit of normality you know these are people that you maybe see multiple times a day you know 340 odd days of the year maybe so you know having that level of connection is is crucial um, it just helps us sort of focus on you know focus on what's still there focus on what's going to be there at the the far side of this um, and and sort of maintaining relationships and maintaining well-being is is as important now as it's ever been. You talk about maintaining well-being, and the coronavirus crisis seems to be changing all the time, and there's a lot of negative news stories out there. So what's the best way to stay positive while all this is going on? It will sound weird after all the talk about social connection, but actually looking after yourself is is fundamental. Um, and thinking about the things that you can control. Um, so, for instance, you can control how socially distant or, or how far apart you stay from other people. You can control how regularly you go to the shops and sort of expose yourself to, to potential contamination. Um, so trying to focus on the things that you can do to look after yourself um, is really important and, and trying to kind of ignore what other people are doing to a certain extent because we don't have a lot of control over what other people do so yeah it's um it's about sort of keeping that in mind and trying to get involved in activities that that give you a sense of purpose and give you a sort of sense of control over your life now whether that be cooking a meal because again you're you're in charge of what you produce it could be as simple as that and the big thing, and I've I've spoken about this a lot um, in the media recently, is limiting your access to information yeah. um, because there's an overwhelming amount of information that's available. And like you said, a lot of the information is constantly changing, um, particularly around um, going out and about. That's, you know, that's been one of the most dramatic changes in the last few days. The thing that I would I would reiterate that I've said many times is you know, almost go back to the old fashioned style of sitting down to watch the news once a day, you know, sort of either at breakfast or at six o'clock or at 10 o'clock, whenever it is that suits you. Um, and just saying, right, being quite rigid and saying, I'm only going to look for updates from reputable sources like the NHS, like the Holyrood government or the Westminster government, World Health Organization, not getting overwhelmed by information on social media and trying to be an um, you know, an active social media user. So, you know, criticize the information that you see. I don't mean, you know, get into like online rows with people, but um, sort of look at it critically. Can you see a source for the information? And if so, actually go directly to the source. Um, be skeptical of information that looks skeptical and, and watch out for cybercrime. There's a lot of that going on at the moment as well. So, you know, don't click on links that you think look ropey. Beware of sort of text messages that are unsolicited or WhatsApp messages that are unsolicited from unknown numbers. And look for the positive stories. There are a lot of positive stories out there if you know you know where to look. Um, and, and think very carefully about who and how you follow people on social media. So if people are really bringing you down, um, you can mute them, you can block them, you can you know set up and search for hashtags uh, that are maybe more positive so that you're kind of exposing yourself to a bit more of the good stuff that's going on. 
um, and just you know remembering to take a break from things, remembering to do things that are going to distract you uh, from everything that's going on, even if that's as simple as reading a book or watching a movie or something. You know, there's lots of really little ways. We don't have to do incredibly drastic things. We can just do very, very small things that will make a big difference. Staying off social media, that sounds easier said than done, given the fact that people will be alone, people will be stuck inside. It's pretty easy to pick up your phone and just scroll through. You'd probably be doing it more often than you would now than if you were at work. Yeah, and I think... You know, it's a double-edged sword, really, isn't it? You know, you need to be connected, but at the same time, you don't want to be overwhelmed. I think depending on what sort of social networks you use and what your own habits are, it's it's maybe easier said than done, like you said. If people are worried that they're becoming overwhelmed with sort of social media exposure, there are actually apps that you can download um, for your smartphone that you can use to set limits for when you'll be able to access your social media apps. So, it's you know, it's a bit like having that kind of referee in your back pocket that's just going to stop you from doing it there's also the possibility that you might want to think about you know particularly if you're using a smartphone you might want to you know remove the the app that actually gives you access to the news feed or the threads or whatever it happens to be or the stories but retain the ones that allow you to message directly to people so that that way you can still do the social connection but you're maybe then not being overwhelmed uh, by you know the, the the sort of torrent of information so I'm thinking particularly about things like Facebook. You know, maybe you want to keep the Messenger app, but you want to get rid of the Facebook app that actually exposes you to, to other people's feeds and other people's posts. Or, you know, maybe you're you're going to start using more of the kind of WhatsApp side of things rather than Instagram or Twitter. So, you know, there's, there are very subtle things that you can do there. And again, find something to replace, you know, your smartphone activity. If, if you do find yourself maybe picking up your phone and going on to social media more than you would have been doing try to try to find an activity that would distract you for longer um so you know if you've got family around the house do something with them play a board game if you've got kids around do some arts and crafts do some family cooking you know essentially it's a bit like giving up smoking you know find something that's going to keep your hands busy there's a lot of negative stories out there at the moment chris and you just touched on that there and, and one of them is people panic buying groceries and supermarkets We've seen pictures of empty shelves, there's people with trolleys full of toilet paper. What's the mindset of these people that are doing this? It's undeniable that we're in a time of crisis um, and people are very, very anxious. And one of the problems that, that, that we have at the moment is the situation is quite ambiguous. You know, we know it's dangerous, but we don't necessarily know exactly what we're supposed to be doing all of the time. So when you've got these kind of uncertain situations, people, people kind of go into like survival mode. And all it takes is kind of one person to start behaving differently and, and kind of panic buying or, or hoarding or, or, or sort of buying for storage. And other people see that and they start to think, well, that's what I should be doing too. Um, and it's not always out of selfishness. It's not always out of profiteering. It's that kind of survival instinct where you start to think, well, if other people are doing it, then I better protect myself. I better protect my family. And, and I mean, it's really important to stress that these kind of behaviours um, can spread like a virus. Um, so when we see people doing it, it starts to accelerate it. So what I would encourage people to do is is to be responsible and not share things like photos of empty shelves, not share photos of massive queues or videos of folk arguing over supplies, because that then starts to normalise it. It starts to make people think this is how we should be behaving, or it makes people start to think, well, oh, if I don't 
sort of get down to the shop and start, you know, buying, then there's going to be nothing left for me. You know, we've had a lot of reassurances that if people just continue as normal, there will be plenty to go around. But it's very, very hard to fight against that instinct. Um, it, it really is a, a kind of fight or flight survival instinct where you, you see people doing it and, and your kind of basic instincts kick in and, and you start to do it too. So yeah, anyone that's listening, please stop sharing you know, images of empty shelves or, or viral videos of people arguing over supplies because that in itself will actually spread that type of behaviour. Now, a lot of people are going to have a lot of free time in their hands over the next few weeks, Chris, and I'll be honest, I've wasted a lot of it by playing football manager. I've got sure. a very successful uh, Queen's Park team that I've got into the Scottish Premiership. But I mean, how should people be using their time constructively? What should I be doing instead of playing video games? I don't think you should be too hard on yourself. Uh, first of all, <laughs> Queen's Park could not be more of a local team for me. I live right <laughs> next to Hamden Park. So um, yeah, I, I always keep an eye out for them. Um, rest is important and recreation is really, really important. Um, and I think a lot of people are, are maybe getting these kind of fanciful ideas like they should be learning a language within the next 12 weeks and yet it's great to give that a try but you know no one's you know no one's expecting people to come out of this with online degrees and, and full training certificates it's all just about you know setting aside time to look after yourself and, and find something that gives you happiness at this point if you do think that you're you're maybe spending too much time doing doing something that's that's not constructive or not productive um just give yourself a break and and, and find something else to do for that time it's, it's easier said than done though um particularly for things like computer gaming or box sets or these i mean no one's saying that you shouldn't be gaming. No one's saying that you shouldn't be watching the telly or, you know, having a duvet day. It's just really, really important to sort of almost like keep a journal of what you've been doing um, and just sort of become aware that, you know, you can't do the same thing all day, every day. And that goes for work as well as for recreation. And it's just as important for people to switch off from work as it is from people to, you know, not spend, you know, 10 hours watching The Walking Dead or something like that. People do need to reward themselves. They need to give themselves these indulgences, but in small doses. I mean, it's just, again, it just goes back to the idea of what we should be trying to do on a normal day and, 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 you know, in our normal lives. We should be trying to do everything in moderation. You know, don't necessarily deny yourself anything as long as it's sort of safe and healthy. But at the same time, you know, just, just as it would be pre-COVID and it will be post-COVID, let's just try and not, you know, do things to extremes. It's just about, you know, trying to maintain a level of normality and, and really trying to keep, you know, some form of healthy social connection. But it's, it is go there's no, there's no point sort of sugarcoating it. It's going to be a very, very hard time for the next few weeks and months. Chris, that was brilliant. Thank you very much for joining me today. Yep, no problem. Anytime. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this show and I hope you join us again soon where we'll be talking to another member of staff from Glasgow Caledonian University. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Common Good Podcast.